0: Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to the Aesthetic Insider Radio Show. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we have a really um, exciting and unique and interesting guest, Dr. Jacob Hayabi. Dr. Hayabi is a cosmetic surgeon who practices in the Inland Empire in California. Dr. Hayabi is also president of the California Academy of Cosmetic Surgery. Dr. Hayabi, welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. Um, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great, thank you for having me.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, Doctor Hayabi that we have so much to cover in today's show and um so I want to get right into it and just start with, you know, perhaps tell uh listeners a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in practice and kind of what brought you to California.
0: Sure. Uh I'm a cosmetic surgeon, uh diplomat of the American Board of Cosmetic Surgery and I've been in practice for about fifteen years. In uh, the Inland Empire, as you mentioned, that's in Southern California, specifically in Rancho Cucamonga, which is a a growing community here in the Inland Empire. And um, I'd say about 50% of my practice is uh, breast and body contouring, and uh, the other half is uh, facial uh, rejuvenation, no surgery like rhinoplasty and other non-invasive procedures.
1: Now, I know, um, again, just with your background and what I understand and, and the fact that you are the president of the CACS, um, you know, you you obviously have a really extensive academic and, you know, educational, both learning and teaching, for many years. And, um, I mean, it's the envy of many people to... You know, we all have the same amount of hours in the day, but some seem to be able to squeeze in a little bit more than others. Um, what is it, do you feel that drives you this advanced level of excellence?
0: Um, you know, cosmetic surgery is my passion. I um, I love what I do. Um, I love my patients and uh, the field, and it's an exciting field because it's constantly evolving. And I think to be good at it, you constantly have to learn and uh, I love teaching so at the same time being able to be a fellowship director and running a fellowship uh, you need to be knowledgeable to be able to teach other people so it keeps me on my toes and uh, um, I'm just um, so passionate about the field that I think it, it drives me to do all of these things uh, and I enjoy it I don't mind the extra work I, I have a disease of not being able to say no so every time you ask me to do something I say yes <laughs> So I think that's part of the problem as well.
1: Well, I think many of us will agree. It's like the more you say yes, the more opportunity opens up to you, I think, in terms of, you know, n- new worlds, new advances, new techniques, new friendships, you know, I mean, just about everything. And so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer in saying yes to everything as well myself. Um Now, you know, you say and you mentioned how, you know, of course, you're both, you know, you learn and you teach, um, and as an educator, what would you say, you know, now, I mean, there have been many new developments, I mean, even in recent years, in not just surgical techniques, but technologies that are assisting cosmetic surgeons in really bringing improved procedures to patients. Um, What are the the current technologies that you're really finding are, are beneficial to you in your practice?
0: You know, there are several. There are uh, developments in the surgical field as well as in the non-invasive or non-surgical arena. Uh, In my own practice, uh, we do a lot of mommy makeovers, and I think uh, the technique of uh, injection uh, prior to doing the procedure as well as the technique of of, um, combining, for example, uh, putting in the implants through the belly button, as opposed to an incision on the breast, um, having pain pumps avail- available for pain management after surgery, and really uh, yeah, new suturing techniques of setting the belly button so it looks very natural. All of those things are advances in the you know last 10 to 15 years that have occurred um, in the non-surgical arena. There is multitude of things in terms of Injectable materials like Voluma and um, silk for cheek and lip augmentation. And uh, just most recently, uh, Kybella, which is uh, uh, an injectable that can really melt the submental fat, the fat that is under the chin that patients can get rid of without surgery. So there's lots of exciting things that come out all the time. And we incorporate all of these into our practice, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, there really have been some very, very exciting developments, you know, in, in our industry. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit more about the mommy makeover, because I know that women are just always, you know, really want to hear more about, you know, you know, none of us can, you know, we talk about turning back the clock, and of course, you know, you can't make me 22 again, I wish you could, <laughs> but that's not possible, but I think perhaps you can help help women create the best version of who they can be at this moment, so You know, the mommy makeover is obviously something many moms, after having children, really want to be able to, you know, get back as much as possible. Um, Right. What is is your your kind of combined technique to deliver that result to a patient?
0: Uh, You know, that's that's actually one of the most common procedures we do. And my average patient in my practice is a 35, 36-year-old woman who's had at least a couple of children and, Breastfed her kids and you know after being done with having kids they realize you know their body is not the same and these people are very active and uh, they want to get back to you know their normal self and uh, they realize that you know exercising and dieting can do part of it but it really doesn't return their muscle tone and their breasts are still somewhat deflated and saggy so it usually when we say mommy makeover it's it's a combination of some type of a breast augmentation or lift uh with some kind of a tummy tuck um and liposuction possibly so you know in our practice we we do a few things that are unique um and i uh, for example i mentioned for patients that are suitable to getting saline implants we can introduce the implants through the same incision that we make around the belly button for the tummy tuck, and they do not have to have any scars on their breasts. So it looks very natural, and there's no visible scars for the breast augmentation. We also have a very nice way of resetting the belly button, so it looks like a very natural innie. um I sometimes do these procedures in the hospital, and I've, I've had the hospital anesthesiologist ask me, uh, if uh i'm going to be doing the belly button after i was done and i said i already did it it's there it's done and it's like wow that looks so natural <laughs> so that was a nice nice compliment but we get wow. a lot of compliments on our belly button because of the technique that we use in suturing it in so the scars are not visible the scars fall inside the belly button and it's not visible on the outside and there's uh, other other things uh, that are available now for you know recovery i, I hear a lot of of my patients coming in, and they think, "Oh my God, I'm gonna, I want to do it, but I'm scared. I don't have six weeks of recovery. I have to drive my kids to school, and you know, it, it's it's uh, not feasible." And they don't realize that there's been so many advances in in terms of pain control uh, before and after surgery. We we to mess everybody before we actually do the procedure. Uh, We offer pain pumps, which help a lot in pain control the first 72 hours after surgery. And, of course, we do give medication that help as well. And I I think all of these things make the recovery much shorter. Most of my patients will take two to three weeks off, and that's it, and they're back to normal. In fact, majority are probably back within two weeks to their normal jobs and daily routine.
1: Wow, that is amazing. I mean, I remember kind of back in the day when it used to be with a Tommy Talk where a patient couldn't even stand straight for six weeks. I mean, they had to literally stand bent in half. <laughs> so as was not right. so cause any tension, you know, on the abdomen. Right,
0: um, right. Things have changed a lot. I mean, we they, they, they still have them bent over for just about a week to 10 days max. That's it. They can straighten out after about a week to 10 days.
1: Wow, that is amazing. Now, as far as liposuction goes, I mean there's been lots of advances there too. Like you mentioned the tumescent technique for um you know, pain delivery medication, but I know tumescent technique and seizure is obviously um, you know, something that assists with liposuction and then there's, you know, all the right. new technologies as well. Um
0: Yes, there's uh, lots of advancement. The tumescent technique is, is great in terms of defining the plane and providing some local anesthetic during the procedure and a little bit after. For our tummy tuck patients, we actually have a very specific protocol. Uh, we do give everybody IV Tylenol before the procedure because in studies, uh, in other fields, it has been shown to reduce the pain postoperatively. And one of my, my most recent fellow actually did a study that's going to be published in the American Journal of Cosmetic Surgery that shows that once we instituted our new pain control with IV Tylenol before, to meson anesthesia during, and just very little narcotics during the muscle suturing, patients do so much better. The recovery time is cut in almost 40 to 50 percent. So, wow. um, it it does, um, you know, doing doing a little bit of tweaking here and there can make a huge difference for the patients.
1: Well, wow, well, that really makes a huge difference um you know question because you know we do we you know we I've, I've talked several times you know on mommy makeover and and I do understand it's definitely you know um a really popular procedure for for many younger moms and um even older moms too um do you ever uh, have like you know a the patient that is just not the ideal candidate for the mommy makeover?
0: Yes, uh, I do get some moms that come in and, um, you know, they gained uh, quite a bit of weight with their pregnancies and they haven't been successful entirely in losing the weight. And if they still carry a lot of weight and uh, they're really far away from their normal, uh, really calculated uh, height to uh, weight ratio or BMI, uh, we do recommend that they lose weight really. Um, we can do some liposuction to help them, but you cannot do a tummy tuck and very aggressive liposuction at the same time. It's uh, somewhat dangerous and detrimental. So for those type of patients, I encourage them to lose the weight be- before uh, tummy tuck, and we help them with it. We have nutritionists uh, in the practice. We do have several other doctors that will you know, uh, help with medically supervised diets if they, because a lot of them have tried everything under the sun and haven't been able to lose the weight. So we we do help them in that sense, so they can get to their goal.
1: Oh well, that's fantastic. So so really, your practice you know is is really open to, well, you can help everybody in some way, but it may not be that surgery or a technique, right. a, you know, cosmetic surgery technique is the first option, but that it's still an option after they have made some other changes for themselves which i'm sure they are welcome the opportunity to be able to do that
0: correct not uh you know not everybody is a surgical candidate absolutely we probably turn away about um i'd say 15 to 25% of the patients that come in from surgical procedure but we do try and help them to get to where they can have surgery to get to their goal so um, we yeah. we have other ways of helping them.
1: That's great. Now you know um, you had mentioned you know that you're with your surgical procedures and for instance the the belly button, um, but then also in in the breast you know where you have a really strong emphasis on minimal and and hidden scarring um, because of course nobody wants to have any any kind of obvious signs on their body. Um, what is it that you do that helps you achieve this goal? Do you have like specific you know techniques that you that you use to help with the minimal and hidden scarring,
0: specifically for breast augmentation. You it mean, either. or in general. Uh, um, it just oh, in general. Oh, with either procedure. Oh yeah, yeah. We I mean, after all, you know, it's cosmetic surgery, and we really want to hide all, all the scars. Um, we do strategically put the incisions in areas that you know hide the scars. For example, for um, the breast augmentation it it's either uh, with the saline implant it can be in the belly button or in the armpit um, or underneath the fold of the breast where the scar is not visible uh, with tummy tucks so the scar is really very low right over the pubic uh, bone and just below the the hip bones so when the patients are wearing their Undies um, or bathing, so that scar is completely uh, not visible. It's completely covered. We also, you know, do a lot of things to make sure that those scars heal well postoperatively. We, of course, uh, majority of the time we're in the operating room. We're very meticulously suturing the different layers, and we use internal sutures uh, almost all the time. And uh, we use glue, surgical glue, on top and tape over it. So there's only a couple of things that have. Really helps scarring, and one another late uh, recent development in terms of scar management is a product called Embrace that uh, we can apply to the scars in areas of high tension, and that has silicone in it, and that's one thing that can help the scars heal very nicely and uh, being very thin and non-visible. So there's lots mm-hmm. lots of different ways to do it.
1: Yeah, no, it, it it really is fascinating. I mean, there's, even this embrace, which is something I've never heard of, um, <clears throat> but it's great that it is. It seems it's is embrace now. Is that a a tape or is it a gel? Or how yeah. that, what is that? It, um,
0: it's it's uh, actually a, a a gel. It's a tape that's impregnated with silicone gel, and um, it has to be applied in a in a specific manner uh, to the scar to make it heal and it's um uh, it's uh, we can institute it about two weeks after surgery and it should be done every two weeks for about you know two months in a row. So it's uh, you know, four different applications every mm-hmm. two weeks. Okay. And I've I've had uh, you know some experience with it with patients that I thought were really had you know very tight tummy tucks or arm lifts or body lifts and their scars really healed very well.
1: Mm, that's great. That's great. Yes. And now I, I I do know that you um, you're kind of an advocate for endoscopic procedures too. Is that some yes. is that a technology that you still use, and in, and in what?
0: Um, oh, absolutely. Type. What type of
1: surgery do you use endoscopy? Um,
0: I use endoscopy with with uh, the belly button breast augmentation. So we we use the endoscope to help visualize uh, the pocket and the muscle and everything. I also use it uh, when I do silicone breast augmentations through the armpits. Um, I use it when I do endoscopic uh, brow and forehead lifts. That's a, probably one of the nicest procedures we do on the face because it rejuvenates the entire face and there's no visible scars at all. Everything is up in the hairline. Mm-hmm. And we use a 4 millimeter scope, which is a tiny scope, to uh, go in and lift the brow. I get so many patients that... Um, com- come in complaining that uh, oh people tell me I look tired but I get ten hours of sleep and I'm not tired and uh, I'm embarrassed because I'm constantly looking tired so that's a nice procedure to alleviate that problem and I also do endoscopic mid facelifts so we can extend that brow lift and do a you know mid facelift with no visible scars so those are the-, the endoscopic procedures are a big part of my practice.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is wonderful, and especially, like you say, in the areas of the face, because, I mean, as much as, you know, none of us want any obvious signs of surgery anywhere, but especially on the face is an area where you can't hide it with clothing. And so anything that is minimal, you know, minimal potential complication for any kind of, you know, surface scar, and I think the endo- you know, endoscopic forehead and endoscopic procedures are just, have just truly made a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, um, like we've discussed, I mean, you're you're president of the California Academy of Cosmetic Surgery. I mean, that must just be such a wonderful achievement, you know, for you to feel that. um, How has the last last couple of months been for you since you were elected president?
0: Well, I'm I'm honored to uh, serve uh, the Academy, and uh, um, I really enjoy... Uh, you know, just the interaction with my colleagues and uh, all the discussions that go on in the background to make sure that we are really doing the best for our patients and the community at large. Um, I think the California Academy of Cosmetic Surgery is a great organization overall where doctors of, of uh, you know, different backgrounds that practice cosmetic surgery can really learn from each other and really associate to better uh, their results and practice and make sure that they are doing safe practices when it comes to cosmetic surgery. So it's uh, it's been hectic but it's been an honor to serve and I I enjoy doing it. Uh, we have a great group of people that are working uh, uh we have uh, Dr. Anderberger who's uh, in charge of the foundation and is promoting uh, research uh, and advancement uh, in cosmetic surgery and safety. Um, And we have um, Dr. Schwartz, who's uh, my vice president, who's going to be the incoming president after me, who's who's, uh, helping as well with uh, educational efforts in terms of putting live surgery courses. And we have one one coming up uh, fairly soon, who's going to be on facial rejuvenation uh, here in Rancho Cucamonga. So, uh, I enjoy the interaction with all all these uh, great colleagues,
1: well, you know I think for for many of our listeners out sort of the non medical professionals um you know the aesthetic industry, which I think you know many consumers don't don't quite understand how it all works um and unless you're in the industry it's it's still then is even quite difficult to explain, but you know the aesthetic industry as we know, is comprised of surgeons that are trained in a variety of specialties, um, including plastic surgery, facial plastic, cosmetic surgery, you know, ocular surgery, dermatology, and, and so on. And um, I know the the large group, the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery, is is kind of more of a, I don't really want to say, but it's the only word I can think of, but it's, it's a mix of a variety of specialties that have joined under the umbrella to become the cosmetic surgeons, and that is you know what what you have here in california um you know and I would like to you know maybe just touch on for a few minutes you know really you know what does that mean um it, to to the consumer and you know the the fellowship training you know that that you're you know really behind for the 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 physicians who want to become cosmetic surgeons. Um, Can you explain that to us a little bit more?
0: Yes, I I think this is an important subject because there is a lot of uh, mixed messages and confusion in the public. Uh, You know, there's um, lots of different specialties that uh, dabble into cosmetic surgery. You mentioned a few uh, plastic surgeons, facial plastic surgeons, oculoplastic surgeons, and all of these different specialties do bits and pieces of uh, you know, or part of cosmetic surgery. And uh, if somebody wants to limit their practice to just cosmetic surgery, I really think they have to have additional training and education no matter where they come from. Whether it's a a plastic surgeon, a facial plastic surgeon or whatever specialty uh, an oculoplastic surgeon, they they really need additional training because there is no actual residency in cosmetic surgery. You know, there are residencies in multiple different specialties, but there is no residency in the subspecialty of cosmetic surgery. Cosmetic surgery is really a subspecialty. And in order to properly train, doctors have a few choices. They either take uh, continued medical education, CME courses that are, you know, weekend courses, or they pick up, um, you know, a preceptorship, and they can spend a couple of weeks or a month here and there with somebody that's doing it, Or they can have a structured fellowship. A fellowship is a structured training program that's at at least one or two years where a surgeon gets to spend time with somebody who's practicing this day in and day out and they can actually really intensely uh, learn all the procedures and all the uh, necessary information and how to manage a patient, how to manage a complication, and how to take care of you know, a specific patient that has undergone the different procedures. Um, so I think the best form of training is, is a fellowship training. And there are aesthetic fellowships that are available through the Plastic Surgery Society, and there are cosmetic fellowships that are available through the AACS, which you mentioned. All of those organizations you ma- mentioned are educational organizations. They, the California Academy of Cosmetic Surgery is an educational organization. So is the AACS and so is the ASPS. These are different membership clubs that you know have uh, doctors as members and they foster the educational piece. Once the surgeon is, is trained properly, I think they have to achieve board certification, and really, the only the only board that I think specifically tests in in the arena of cosmetic surgery is the American Board of Cosmetic Surgery. Um, there are other boards that have bits and pieces of it, which are in you know, all the all the things we mentioned, like plastic surgery, facial plastic, oculoplastic, oral maxillofacial surgery, dermatology. All of those other boards cover some parts of uh, their exam covers cosmetic surgery, but it's not specifically geared toward that. So um, when it comes to, to training and all the messaging that everybody is putting out, really I think for the consumer, uh, whatever procedure that you're considering, first of all, you know, do some research about the procedure and make sure that you do a few consultations, not just one, see a few surgeons, and make sure that you interview them and you make sure that they are trained in the procedure that you are seeking. Not everybody can do everything. You know, there are procedures that I do not do in my practice simply because I was never trained them, and I don't feel comfortable doing them. But if you have done a fellowship, if you have done extra training, you can tell your patients, I've done this type of training and here is, you know, my experience with it, I've done this many cases, here' some before and after pictures. You can talk to one of my patients, and uh, then the patient can feel comfortable. We, we offer our patients to speak to other patients that have gone through the same procedures, because I think it's one thing to hear what's going to happen from a, a doctor, and it's another thing to hear it from a patient who's actually been through it. So if somebody is apprehensive, we do offer that. We we do show everybody before and after pictures. And I think those things are important.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. I mean, I do, you know, I, I remember many years ago a, a cosmetic surgeon and and facial plastic surgeon who was former president of the AAF PRS has said to me, you know, the one thing I really want the the general consumers to understand is that, you know, cosmetic surgery is not a walk in the park. You know, it's not just as simple as you know. Hey, let's just you know go and do this, and everything will be fine. It's you know, and 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 kind of one of his other famous sayings was you know, an educated patient is a happy patient. And and I do you know agree with you there that it's like you know, of course, the surgeon has to be well trained and well documented and and everything else. But it really is well to the patient is to make sure that they they do understand. Any potential concerns with having a procedure, and they have done their homework as far as, you know, what what are the options to achieve the goal that they have, and then, like you said, ultimately, you know, speaking with patients who've had a similar procedure of a similar age group, and and really knowing, you know, and you know what to expect before they undergo any procedure. Um, I, I agree, one
0: hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, it's,
1: it's, I agree, one
0: hundred percent it's uh, it's not a walk in the park and it is after all surgery and every every surgery has possible complications they they have to do their homework and know what they're getting into
1: absolutely now um back to you and your practice um you know i do understand with the team that supports you um in your practice activities because of course you know you're kind of wearing many different hats in your your life right now and um I do understand that your PA was a pharma patient and that yes. one of the cosmetic surgeons who practices with you is also a pharma fellow. And so obviously those are kind of you have the best of the best working with you I would imagine. Um makes quite <laughs> yes, a dynamic yes, I, team.
0: Yes, I'm very fortunate to have a you know, an excellent team with me here. Everybody's dedicated and very passionate to our uh, practice on our patients, and my uh, partner, Dr. Irene Tower, who's a former fellow of mine. She's lovely. She's a, you know, a great surgeon. Who patients will feel very comfortable with her. She's uh, has excellent bedside manners and uh, good techniques, and um, we work very well together. And uh, one of our PAs, Sarah, who's uh, really is just uh, bubbly and lovely, and the patients. Uh, I Really uh, like her because she she just makes them feel so comfortable with everything that she does and um, you know it's it's I'm lucky because they genuinely care about everything that they do and so it's a it's a great combination. I've been blessed to have these uh, people with me in the practice.
1: No, it is and it is it is amazing that you've been able to you know surround yourself and obviously in order to be. You know a success in all of your endeavors, you know a great team is 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 really necessary um and then let me ask you lastly, here, you know because I do um understand you're a family man, and I'm sure you do things for fun and relaxation because you you appear to have quite a balanced life for such a busy man, <laughs> so what is the secret?
0: <laughs> the the secret is uh not sleeping too much <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, i just, just i'm just kidding you know it it is it is a difficult balance it's a constant struggle but um you know i i um when i'm at work um i'm i'm really giving my hundred percent to mm-hmm. you know my patients and and my employees and really when when i go home i i try to Really, be solely dedicated to my uh, kids and my wife for uh, the few hours that we're together. And uh, sometimes it becomes a difficult balance. And uh, you know, again, I've I've been blessed. This is not definitely not a one-man show. That you know, nobody is successful by themselves. My wife is amazing. She helps me a lot. We have four beautiful children, and she takes care of them really uh, amazingly. And and. Uh, she makes it happen for me, and she she knows that I'm wearing a lot of different hats. And so, you know, just by her understanding and helping me, it allows me to do all these other things. But I, what I really try to do is that uh, I try to separate, you know, work from home, and I'm not always successful in doing it. I'm, I'm guilty of not doing it all the time, but I try to do it, and I, I try to give my kids the attention they need when I'm home with them and on the weekends.
1: Oh, that is amazing! It's amazing because I mean, it's all it's all so important, doctor. Hi, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. But before we can say goodbye here, I would like for our listeners to know how they can get a hold of you with any questions they may have. Is there a phone number? or Is there a website? Like, how can they reach you?
0: It was very nice talking to you, Angela. Um, yes, absolutely. But our uh, office number here in Rancho Cucamonga is nine zero nine nine eight seven. 0899 or one eight hundred six cosmetic um, without an S and our website uh, we have lots of good information on our website that the patients can uh, log into and, and read is w dot dot com. Doctor
1: Hayabi, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute genuine pleasure to listen to you and and talk to you and understand more about your role, you know, both in your practice and as president of the CACS, and keep up the good work.
0: Thank you so much, Angela.
1: Okay, well, take care, and bye-bye for now. Hope to have you back on the show someday soon.
0: Thank you so much. You have a great day.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Bye.